Good morning. How is everybody? All right. Well, we are in our series called Serve Your City, Love Your City. Uh, your city can mean many things, your uh, place of influence or your bubble, your circle, places you're connected. It can mean all kinds of different things, and so we're glad you're here for that. Listen, we've got so much going on in our church right now, and I know this is a busy time for you and your families and in your homes and things of that nature. And so, but I know we've got a lot going on, but the things that we do have going on are very, very good for not only our community, but around the world with our Operation Christmas Child. Uh, and, and so we got our boxes are going to be coming in for that. Uh, also, uh, our Feed the City, we've already got you guys already bringing that. Hey, you're not too late for that if you want to bring some this week uh, before we deliver them the next week. And so you still got time to do that. And so we're just grateful for you guys doing that. Also, our Christmas Advent, which is just a time for our families and everybody to get together. And it's just a way for families to have a, a tool in their toolbox to use in their homes for Christmas. And so that's, that's a really cool thing. And that's coming up. And you can sign up for that in the hallway. I know it seems like a lot, but they're good things that we have going on. So it's a good busy. So everybody's got bad busy, but this is a good busy. And so uh, those things are coming up. All right, here's what I want to do real quick. If you're not familiar with me, my name is Troy. I'm the campus pastor here for our Saltilla campus. And uh, usually before I speak, I like to do something because I, I feel like I need prayer. Because when I stand before anybody to speak, I always feel inadequate. I feel like God is, is uh, like, why me? And so, but God has a purpose for everything. And so you may be sitting here right now going, well, I'm thinking the same thing too. God, why me? You know, why am I here listening to this guy? Uh, do not adjust your eyes. This is what I look like. And the screen, I don't know, I look thin from this angle. <laughs> anyway, um, I want you to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. And we're just going to ask God that he will do something great through this service today. And I hope that he speaks to you the way that he spoke to me as I got ready for this. Let's pray. Father God, we are just so grateful that you allow us to be able to come to a place where we can worship, speak your name, sing to you uh, without any consequences. God, I pray that you will use me as a vessel, that I will be your mouthpiece. God, I pray for those who are here that you will open their ears to hear that you will open their hearts to be receptive to your word. And God, if someone here needs to be invited to know you, God, I pray that you will start working on them now. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. So the kind of the topic I got stuck with is on inviting people. And so some of you may be really good at inviting people and some of you may not be real good at inviting people. I've always been a talker, so talking to people and inviting people has never been an issue for me. The running joke here when people ask me, you know, you know Troy, what are you going to do during retirement? I tell everybody I'm going to be at Walmart saying, welcome to Walmart, here's your buggy. So during flu season, I'm going to be defluing buggies and telling people, hey, and welcome to Walmart. Because I love people and I love to greet people and I always love to invite people to be a part of this church. But you may be here and it may not be something you're very good at. You may go, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at telling people stuff. When I was a little kid, 
One of my favorite stories, and I embarrassed my mother and my father. My mom and my dad were always weary to say anything in front of me because they knew I was going to repeat it, even at a young age. And so we used to have this guy that was like over our roads in our county. Was his name? Y'all, y'all, you remember Zach Stewart, the road guy? Some of you older folks out here. Yeah, wave your hand so we can point you out. All right, there you go. Uh, so anyway, uh, mom, mama was kidding with a lady in the restaurant, and she said, Zach Stewart's going to pave our uh, restaurant parking lot um, if we vote for him. So I went to school. I was excited. I'm like, man, this is big news for us. I mean, if we vote for him, he's going to pave our parking lot. So I went to school, told everybody. I was telling r- lunchroom ladies. You know, they're like giving me my gruel and like donut mixed with all, you know. Listen, cafeteria, this has got me off topic but for some reason, but pizza and corn, I just, and chocolate milk. Is there a worse combination to give a kid than that? I mean, really, it's pretty bad. And it wasn't even good pizza. It was just like that piece of thick cardboard with sauce and cheese on it in a square shape. All right, enough about that. I'm having flashbacks and nightmares of school. Uh, but but I, went, I told everybody because I was excited about this news that I had received to tell people uh, about Zach Stewart paving my parking lot at, at our restaurant, my family restaurant. And so, but my brother, who's not like that, he's the exact opposite. I picked on him in the first service because he was sitting over here. But my, my brother, he just really don't like people. <laughs> I mean, he'd be fine if nobody talked to him. He'd breeze in, breeze out, and not worry about anything. And so, but he's a complete opposite. But here's the thing. God has put something within his heart and God has put something within my heart to where we're supposed to share our stories with other people. So whether you're good with people, like people, don't like people, in the middle with people, you still have a story that has been written on your heart that we are to share to invite people not only to a lasting, everlasting relationship with our Savior Jesus, but also to invite them to be a part of our groups, to invite them to be a part of our church. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, I love this. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. So that phrase of tablets of stone, that's referring to the Ten Commandments because it's something, it's physical. You could put your hands on it, you could have hold it. Moses held it up, he broke it. You know, I would have been Moses. I break stuff all the time. And he broke them. But those are things that you can, you could take something that is written on, on physical paper and you could take it and put it on a shelf and never look at it. Or you could put it in the back of your car in the back window and never look at it. Or you could put it next to your bedside table and never look at it. Because what is written in that you could put to the side and it means nothing to you because it can be forgotten. But what is written on your heart, God's story that is written on your heart, your testimony, who you are, those are things that cannot be forgotten. Because even if you took the writings and you took everything away to where you had nothing physical that you could look at or touch, you still have your experience that you had with God. 
When I was 10 years old, I remember like it was yesterday that I was sitting in the back of a church and, and I remember the pastor was talking and he was ta- and, and, and this was where my story was beginning because Jesus was starting to call me unto him. He was drawing me unto him. He was knocking on my heart. And so I'm sitting in the back of that pew at 10 years old and he's talking about all this sin. And of course, I don't know what sin you have at 10. You know, I wasn't knocking off convenience stores at 10 years old. You know, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't into hardcore stuff when I was 10 years old. But I remember going, I, knowing that I needed a Savior. So I, I, I let it go, man. And, and, and church ended. And I remember getting in the car with my dad and we drove home. And I just was sitting there and I was like, I should have said something. I should have talked to the preacher. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to die and I'm going to go to hell because I didn't go talk to the preacher. And I thought that was it for me. But then I remember it's like, oh, wait, my dad's a deacon. He'll know what to say. He'll know what to do. So I go into our living room. My dad is sitting in his chair, and I said, Dad, I really felt the Lord was talking to me, and I need to ask Jesus into my heart. And my dad, being the godly man that he was, he closed up his Bible that he was reading that he read all the time, and he laid it on the table next to it. And he got his car keys, and he drove me to the preacher's house. The preacher talked to me and he explained to me what it meant to ask Christ in my heart. And at that point, there was a story that was written on my heart that was specifically mine. There was a heartbeat that was in my heart that was specifically mine. Did you know that your heartbeat, no one's heartbeat is the same. Nobody's heartbeat beats exactly the same. Everybody's rhythm is different. And so God has a story that he's placed in your life that we're supposed to use in inviting others, not only to this building, but inviting people to know Jesus Christ. Many people may not ever read the gospel, but they'll read your life. Paul was basically saying to them, like, hey, listen, because of the way that you're living and the way that your heart is and what's written on your heart, you're, you're the test of people are seeing this. Now, some of you may read like a horror story. Some of you may read like a comedy. But somewhere, somebody is watching and they're reading your life. When God called me into the ministry, I, I, at first, I hated it. I, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, you people who are not preachers, you people. I felt like I lived in a fishbowl. Like I had to, I had to be a certain way all the time. I, I had to, I couldn't mess up. I couldn't not look like I had it all together as a husband. I couldn't look like I didn't have it all together as a new father. I, I felt like I couldn't do these things, and I felt constrained and of, of just people watching me because there were people overanalyzing my life. But as I got older, and what I discovered is when people see how you deal with adversity and when people see you deal with sin and struggle, and how you deal with that, that means more to them than you being Superman and having it all together. One of the first times here, we were, uh, I started a, a small group, and we were talking, and I was, we were talking, I was telling about a fight my wife and I had, and somebody went, whoa, 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 you fight? I'm like, yeah, you got to see my wife with her gloves off. She, man, she, she'll mess you up. Yeah, I, I fight. Sometimes my wife and I don't agree on things. Sometimes I'm not the perfect father. Every night I'm not going, son, come, let's kneel before the bed and pray to the Lord before you go to sleep. It's like, I don't want to see your face again. 
I'm glad you know Jesus, and if the Lord comes tonight, it would not be too soon. (laughs) We have to realize that nobody's heart is different, and people want to see how you struggle because they watch your life. We are watched. Sometimes when other people are looking at our lives, we feel ashamed sometimes about things because of the... Of, of not looking and being a certain way. Uh, everybody has this preconceived notion that uh, believers sometimes were kind of like uh, the Simpsons' Ned Flanders. You know, like, oh, there's that Christian guy. Gee, Willikers, how did he do, neighbors? Would you like to come to the church tomorrow morning? But that's, that's not who we are. We are sinful, grace-filled, Mercy shown being that Jesus sustains and lifts up. I got one amen already. I like it. <laughs> Isaiah, I mean in Romans 1.16, and um, if you know what Romans 1.16 is, especially if you're a Christian rap fan, that's, uh, that's, that's my crew. Um, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The moment that we received our story... And the, the moment we received our personal testimony where we could go and invite people, the moment we received that, we had to do something else too. Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, 38, it says this. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so you guys can just uh, trust me that I'm reading the right thing. Romans 38, it says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes to the glory of his Father with holy angels. Like, I do not want to be ashamed of the things of my Father. I want to walk with my Father in these things. When I was a kid, I would go to the mall with my parents. And and I would always see those parents, like, when the parents would walk with you in the mall, you'd stay, like, three steps back because you didn't want to, like, see somebody you knew and know you were mom and daddy. I had a different mentality when I was a kid. Mine was, mom, dad, buy stuff, hold hand. Care how old I was. I'd be 18. Like, come on, dad, let's go to the shoe store. You know, because we shouldn't be ashamed of who our father is and where our father leads us and where our father directs us. He also says, on up in that verse, in the other earlier verses, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, what does it mean to take up a cross and follow him and to deny yourself? So to deny yourself means this, that you are no longer yours. Okay? All right, I'm I'm not going to lie to you guys. The first service... I was, so, I'm, I was so mentally tired, and I'm, I'm tired now. I messed up. I had a, a friend of mine call and asked me to speak at his church this weekend for his students. So I had to speak Friday night, and I spoke last night, and I'd forgotten that I was preaching today uh, when I told him yes. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit mentally drained. But one of the things we talked about at his church is he talked about his, his theme was kind of called like cross life. And so taking up your cross and follow, denying yourself and following Jesus. And so I had some pictures. I had a picture of my family. It was my wife and my kids. And, and I talked about this can be an idol if I worship my family. And then I showed pictures of things that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm an Ole Miss fan. Uh, I love boxer bulldogs. Uh, most of you know I got in uh, my midlife crisis. I, I started skateboarding again, and so I ride skateboard around a little bit here and there. And so all these things, that, like who I am. But what I told them was any of those things that take the place and excitement for who God is becomes an idol. And so when we take up our cross, we're not saying that those things are not in our lives or a part of our lives. All we're saying is these things don't lead and guide and direct my life. And sometimes the cross is uncomfortable, and sometimes we're ashamed that we have to carry this cross around other people. And so I had a cross, and I put this cross on my shoulder, and I tried to weave and walk through the, the pews at this church. And people were having to move their feet and crawl up in the seat and try and get out of the way. Because when you carry the cross of Christ, it's uncomfortable for other people. And so when we invite people, we have to realize that we're going to be inviting people that may not like church, that may not like God, that may not like believers in Jesus. I've had the opportunity to knock on doors in San Francisco for a church and a mission trip where we were going and knocking on doors to talk to people about the gospel. And we were met with a lot, a lot of hate. But we were met by some really good people who were curious and just wanted to know. Here's the thing in this life as we go to invite and tell other people. I've never once, and you've probably heard me say this before, but I've never once in my entire life saved anybody. I don't have the power to save. Jesus does. But what I do have is I have a story, I have an invitation, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me to go and tell other people about Jesus. And so as we learn here and we read here and we look at what it means to not be ashamed of the gospel because people are going to be watching us. And then those who accept Christ's identity also take up his important mission. Those who accept Christ and who he is, we have a mission that we're a part of. We have a mission that, that we are supposed to walk and go and tell and preach and teach and baptize. We have a mission that is God's mission that we're supposed to be about. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was telling them about his death, anytime Jesus talked about his death, he also talked about his resurrection. And so he's letting the disciples know what's fixing to happen. And what does Peter do? If you've read this story, Peter gets upset because Jesus is saying he's going to, to die. And he rebukes Jesus in front of everybody. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. And so what we see in this picture is not that Peter was trying to be insubordinate, not that Peter was trying to be a jerk. Peter had a deep love for the Savior and didn't want to see him die, but he didn't understand the whole story. It was God's plan for Jesus to die for our sins. Anything that gets in the way of God's plan for God to have died on the cross was the work of the evil one that didn't want to see it happen. 
The evil one who still has dominion over this earth wants to see nothing more than for us to fail. He wants to see us sit and not do. He wants to see us not go and tell. He wants to see us say, somebody else will do it. That's not for me because that's what he wants from us because it is God's plan for those of us who have a story written in our heart to go and to tell. All throughout the Bible, Jesus invited people to all kinds of things. Jesus invited, even in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we read stories of Jesus and his inviting people to things. In Isaiah 55, 1 through 3, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk. Without money and without price, wine and milk in the Bible in those times, that would have been a sign of abundance. And he's saying these things are free. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? There's another phrase for bread. There's the bread of life and then there's the bread of deceit. And in this world we'll see, in this world we'll see that there is deceit. And this world wants to see you focus on everything but what God wants you to focus on. I shared in the first service. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a nephew who's, who's kind of become famous. And, and when I say nephew, before I tell you what he became famous for, I want you to realize that he is a nephew on my wife's side, not mine. Okay? All right, so my nephew is some kind of challenge called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. And kids will get on YouTube and whatever, and they'll say, or Instagram, and they'll say, don't judge a book by its cover. And he's holding a, um, a thing of deodorant with a thing, the deodorant raised up about this high. And he takes a giant bite out of the deodorant. All right? This gets picked up by a guy on Instagram who's got like millions and millions of followers. So all of a sudden, he's getting messages from all over the world and all over the country about, man, that's so cool, and a lot of, man, you're an idiot. Then, it recently just got picked up by a YouTube show called Kids React. Anybody ever seen that? Nobody, I've seen one, one young person's like, yeah, I've seen that. And the rest of like, we don't know what that is. YouTube is the new television, old people. <laughs> this is what your youngsters watch. I had a daughter at eight years old that would get on YouTube just to watch other kids play with toys. I'm not lying. She watched hours and hours of other kids playing with toys, and I'm like, you got a whole room. Go do what they're doing. So he gets on this YouTube show, and over 20-something million people have watched my wife's idiot nephew eat deodorant because he wants to be YouTube famous. But we live in this society to where we see people want to be somebody. And we don't realize that we don't have to be somebody. We need to realize we know somebody. And we know the ultimate somebody. And because we know the ultimate somebody, we should want to tell everyone else about the person that we know. I'm not going to run around and brag that I know my cousin if he gets any more famous than he is right now. I'm like, I do not know that kid. I'm not related to him. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I hear you. Amen. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30, it says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are, all, there are those of us in this life that we, and, and this, this, is not, this is not just to any certain set of people, it's every person that has ever been on this earth has had times of burden and heaviness. And Jesus says, come to me, those who are heavy, burden, and I will give you rest. He says, take your yoke upon me because it is light and it is easy. The word yoke means discipline. And I don't know what that exactly means. Like, like you could find easiness in someone else, in someone's discipline. But in the Lord's discipline, if we are obedient and we're disciplined in the things of the Lord, what happens is those, we, we have a better way of getting through times that are tough and heavy and burdened. Because with his discipline upon us, we're able to get through it. That's what we need to realize about our Savior no matter what you're dealing with in life, with him, we can move through anything. Now, I want to share this with you. A lot of you may be here and you're like, I've never, you've been coming to this church for the 12 years that it's been a church, and you've maybe been coming here forever, and you've never once invited anyone to come to this church. Listen, or, you, or you, maybe you're here and you're like, oh, that's for the birds, someone else will do it. I want to tell you that is a heart issue when you can't invite people to come to be a part of something that should be important to you because this, not this building, not these lights, not this sound, not this band, not any of that. The importance of this building are those of you that are looking at me right now because you're a part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ cannot grow unless we add more people to the body of Christ. And we do that by inviting them. We do that by sharing the gospel with them. And so as we grow and we read and we see... Now, a great example of this in the Bible was Andrew. And, and Andrew, <clears throat> Andrew in John uh, chapter 1... Andrew and John chapter 1, 35 through 42. Andrew gets this right. Andrew's kind of that disciple, was kind of in the background, and he wasn't out front, and, 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 but he was good at inviting people. He was good at going and getting people, and so he's kind of known for that. And so I want to read to you how Andrew responds to finding Jesus and what he does after he does find Jesus. You ready for this? All right. In John 35, it says this. The next day... John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And they stayed with him that, that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, Your name is Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So the first thing that Andrew did is he found where Jesus was, and he went and got his brother and took his brother to Jesus. The first thing that we do when we get saved, if you remember back to that day when you asked Christ in your heart, you were excited to tell other people. 
But because of sin and because of life, it kind of drags you down because of work and the things that are going. Sometimes we lose that passion of telling other people about Christ. And when we lose that passion, sometimes it's a hard road to get back to where we need to be. I've shared this story again. It's worth sharing again. But my friend who was a pastor in India, we went to, I went to India and spent two weeks with him and we trained pastors out in the villages. And one of the th- things we did is we sent the pastors at the end of the night from our training, sent them back to the villages they were from and said, go to your village and go to your families and your friends and share the gospel with them. They wanted to take us, but there's something weird about when you're over there. There's like a pat, like when you're a white person in India and you're like the only white person, it is, they think you have like voodoo magic power. They want to touch you. They want to see you. Uh, They thought I was Brad Pitt. It was crazy. Uh, I don't know how true that is. I've been told we look similar. Um, But hey, that's for you to decide, not for me, because I'm humble. And so... These three guys went to their village, which was about 50 miles away. So 50 miles away here versus there is a completely different story. They were later getting back than everyone else, and the three guys came back and they said, we have led 15 members of our families and our friends to the Lord because they were excited to go to their village and their families and to tell them about this Jesus that had changed their life and called them to be pastors and want to teach God's word. But it's more than just for pastors. It's more than that. The first thing that Andrew realized is he realized the power of the invitation. Once he had seen Jesus, met Jesus, recognized who Jesus was, found out where Jesus was staying, he went and got his brother. How many of y'all are state fans in here? All right. How many of y'all know who Raphael Pomero is? All right? Some of you are like, we kind of want to claim him the steroid thing, kind of ruined it a little bit, but that's okay. I say let them take steroids. The further they hit a ball, the better. So me and my brother were driving by. Um, Raphael Pomero used to live out in Skyline, or his mo- I think his mother-in-law or something lived out there. And we saw Raphael Pomero hitting golf balls in the front yard. We couldn't believe it. This was before cell phones, so we had to drive really fast to like a landline. Like then we just would have got out and taken pictures and texted all our friends, but no, we had to go find a phone. So we fly to a phone and we start calling our friends like, Raphael Pomero is in Skyline playing golf in some lady's front yard. So me, my brother, and about five other friends roll up and jump out of the car like we were about to jack Raphael Pomero. We got baseball cards in hand and he signs them. He was really nice, uh, a little creeped out by us, but... Here's the thing, we were so excited because it was Raphael Pomero, we wanted to tell our friends who we knew would want to see this. Who would want to meet Raphael Pomero. We need that excitement when we meet Jesus that we round up our buddies and get in the car and we go hijack our friends so we can tell them about Jesus. The second thing he did is he had a heart for the lost and those far from God. In John 12, 20 through 26. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in in Galilee and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. 
Philip, Philip, I said Philip in the first service too. That's a mental thing. Philip. Uh, Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So here's this guy, these two Greeks are looking for Jesus. They take them to Jesus, and what does Jesus do when he, when he talks to them? He shares the gospel message of follow me, and you will have eternal life. We have a message that is greater than any message that you can put a, uh, uh, put a stamp on. It's greater than any message, and that is you were going to die and spend eternity in hell separated from God, but because of his love and the invitation to you to come to him, you will be spared from hell and have everlasting life and always be in the presence of the one true God. Our small group had just finished up a study on heaven. And Dr. David Jeremiah, it's an awesome study. And, 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 and the way he describes heaven, that you're always in the presence of the Savior. That, that you can see Jesus. You can talk to Jesus. This place of heaven, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah said, the church does three things. He said, the church prays, the church preaches, and the church praises. And there's only two of those, or one of those that's going to be in heaven, and that's praising. We don't need preaching because we're, we don't need to preach because it's over. We don't need praying because we don't have to pray to a Savior. We can go just talk to Him. But praising and lifting up the name of Jesus is something we're going to do for eternity. All I know is I have friends and I have family that I want to be a part of that with me. See, that's the catch. Inviting people to come and be a part of this fellowship or inviting people to know Jesus is not about I have to. It's that I want to and I need to. I want to because I want the people that I love to be where I'm going to be one day. You want to know the bad part about hell? It's not the everlasting burning. It's, it, it, it's not the gnashing of teeth. The bad part of hell is being separated from the love of God forever. That good feeling that you get, that, that warm feeling of knowing that the, Jesus has got your back, that feeling of when you first asked Christ in your heart, like it was like the, the weight of the world had been lifted off your shoulders. Those things, that's what's great, is those feelings always with God. But hell, you don't get that because you're completely and utterly separated from the love of God. And that scares me. Hey, families. I want you to listen to me if you got young kids at home right now. My number one priority job in my house right now is not this church. It's not you. It's not. My number one priority right now is my wife and my children 
and that I'm constantly living the gospel, what's written on my heart in front of them and telling them about it. And then after that, I'm supposed to tell others. And so, don't wait for me to do it for your family or Pastor T to do it for your family. Pastor Michael or Wesley or any other guys on staff. Don't wait for us to do it. God gave you something on your heart where you could do that and tell your kids and live the gospel in front of your children. The third thing is a lot of times what we don't realize is we may ask the question is why people don't invite. This is what I want to close with. First thing is some, some people are spiritually lazy. Like, you've got all the tools. God's given it to you. But you're like, nah, that lazy boy of Christianity. I'll just pray for them from here. Second is, some people have a mindset of institution other than individual. Now, what, is that, what that means is, you say, oh, the preacher's got that. That's his job. That's what he's paid for. The Great Commission is not just for pastors, by the way. If you have ears and you're sitting here and you're listening to me right now, I want you to realize that is for every believer to preach, teach, and make disciples, to tell people about Jesus. It's not just for pastors of churches. See, and I see this is probably one of the biggest problems in, in generations as long as, from, from, not from when I was a kid, but kind of as I became older, I see this, and that's busyness. Holy moly, the things our kids are involved in. I know I've got four of them, and we're involved in a lot. Violin, guitar, you may have soccer, Baseball, softball, football, basketball. I mean, there are so banned. There are so many things that take us and make us busy. Now, busyness can do two things. Busyness can take you completely and utterly away from the things of God. Or you can use your busyness because in the midst of your busyness, you're around people to share the gospel. And so use your busyness. Don't let your busyness take you away from the body of Christ. Because if business is taking you away from the church and the things of God, the business is used in the wrong way. Fear of rejection. Some of us have a deep fear of being rejected. I remember in seventh grade calling a girl to ask her out for the first time. I had the biggest fear of being rejected. Like scared to death of being rejected. I hung up like three or four times. And then when I finally called her and I got over my fear and, and she answered the phone and we talked and we hung up the phone and guys, guess what? She said she was busy and she was washing her hair. We're going to be rejected in life. There are going to be people that we invite that are going to reject our invitation. Pray for them and move on and still be a part of their life. The fourth one is, or fifth one is... Uh, no, it's the fourth one. Uh, fifth. Um, a desire to be tolerant. Sometimes we're so worried about that we may offend people with the truth that we want to be so tolerant of things that we forget, hey, listen, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but the truth is offensive. 
If you're going to share Jesus with people and they're in a sinful life that they know they shouldn't be in, the gospel and the truth is offensive to them. But we should come with love and let Jesus deal with our heart. And we just tell them who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. And then the last is, there are some people that literally, it's not important to them because they have a disbelief in hell. The Bible talks about hell more than it talks about heaven. So I don't know how you can not believe in that there's a hell, a place of separation from who God is. Even if hell wasn't hell, just the fact that you're going to be separated from the love of God should be enough to fear. Right now, I know Southern Baptist churches all over uh, right now are doing a thing called the 3151 Project. I'm going to close with this. You can pick something out on the connect on our um, guest services. You'll find one that says 3151. And what it is, is pray for three lost friends daily. Learn one gospel conversation. This coming Wednesday, 6.30 here at this campus, we're going through something called the Three Circles Training, which is to teach you how to start a conversation and make it turn into a, to a, a witnessing conversation. And so that's going to be this Wednesday, but learn one gospel conversation. Invite five people to be a part of your small group or could be a part or come to this church. And then share the gospel with at least one person. You can share it with as many people as you want, but I'm just giving you something to shoot for, especially if you're shy or you're new to this. But this is a way that God can really use us. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you were invited. Maybe you're here this morning and you are far from who Jesus is. And you're just checking this out. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will knock on your heart so loudly that you cannot resist it. And that you have nothing else to do other than to turn to Him. Or maybe you're here and you're far from God and you're going to have a hard time witnessing to people when you can't even get what you've got going on right. And God's telling you, hey, come on back. Come on back. I want to pray for you. Father God, we love you. Father, I pray for those who are here that do not know you, God, that you will speak to them today. That they will turn from their sin that they will acknowledge who you are and the power that you have to save them. That God, you will, that they will ask you to come into their heart and to change their lives, God, and they will believe in you with a heart knowledge and not a head knowledge. God, I pray that as they have this conversation with you, that they'll have the courage when this service is over to tell someone about the decision that they made. Or Father, if they need to talk to someone, God, you will give them the courage to find me or one of our other pastors to speak into their heart, Father, and to talk with them. God, I pray for those who are far from you and they've been running from you for a long time. They know you, God. You didn't go anywhere, they did. I pray you'll just let them come back home, God. We pray all this in your, in your name, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I ask you guys to stand. The church has prayer, the church has preaching, and the church has praise.
Two of those are not needed in heaven, only one, and that's praise. As we sing this last song, I ask that maybe if you need prayer about who to invite and people to talk to, that you'll do that. But at this time right now, I pray that we will lift our voices high and we will praise the one and only true Savior of our souls, Jesus. Father God, as we get ready to sing, I pray that you will just receive all glory and honor, that we will lift your name as high as we can, Father, and sing as loud as we can. In Christ's name we pray, amen.